You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Hey everyone, I'm Aaron Jones, the Worship Arts Director at our Clinton Township campus. And on behalf of all of us at Kensington, welcome. We're grateful you've chosen to join us this morning, whether in person or on live stream. How are you doing? That's always a fair question in the middle of a gray Michigan winter, even when there isn't isolation in a pandemic to grapple with. During my low times, I find that turning outward and meeting the needs of others can bring me surprising joy. God has made it that way, and there is something deeply satisfying in loving people. That's why I'm so excited to invite you to our upcoming Move Out Gathering as we focus on God's heart for humanity. If you're not familiar with our Move Out Gatherings, they're regular events held by Kensington with the goal of equipping and inspiring each one of us to be the church outside of these walls and to love our neighbors in all kinds of different ways. It's free, incredibly inspiring, and you'll leave feeling equipped to lead, serve, and love better. I always feel refreshed afterwards, like the fire is lit again to pursue my calling in serving others. This year, as we focus on God's heart for humanity, we'll see how beautiful it is that his love is without bounds. It beats for every human being. We hope that our hands and hearts will become shaped more like his, and that what follows will be our hands moved to action to reach out with love and meet people's needs in Jesus' name. God has used this event to speak to so many of us in past years, and I can't wait to see what he does in our hearts this year. Please join us. This two-day event is held on the evening of Friday, March 19th, and Saturday morning, March 20th. There are two ways to be a part of this event. You can come in person at our Troy campus or join us through our live stream. Registration is required for in-person and online attendance, so don't wait. Register now at kensingtonchurch.org slash moveoutgathering. Now we're in our third week of Personified, which has been a powerful series in this season. Looking at the person of Jesus and all the human emotions he experienced is preparing us in a special way for Good Friday and Easter. John Wayne Showing up and shooting down everybody You're classic in the wrong way And we all know the end of the story Cause everyone knows someone who kills the buzz Every time they open up the mouth Yeah, everyone knows someone who knows someone Who thinks they're cooler than everybody else Cause everyone knows someone who kills the buzz every time 
Good morning, Kensington. Hello, welcome. Welcome everyone who's watching us online. My name is Shauna, and I'm so glad that you have joined us here today. I hope you all are having a great weekend. Wasn't yesterday a beautiful day? I mean, 50 degrees in February, Michigan is something to talk about. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous. I love seeing everyone out where they were riding bikes and people were out taking walks yesterday in my neighborhood. It was gorgeous. I know today the temperature is supposed to still get up there. It's just a little rainy, but we're going to have a great day no matter what here at Kensington. So we are so glad that you are here for that with us today. And if it is your first time or you're newer to Kensington, I just want to give a special welcome to you. We are so glad that you are here with us today, and we would love the opportunity to be able to meet you. And so I would invite you to stop by the hub after service, which is located in the center of our lobby. And it's a great place where we can just meet you, but you can also discover more about Kensington. So you can ask questions and find out different ways that you can jump in to get connected within our community here. Now, one of the best ways to get connected is by joining one of our serving teams. And we have so many different opportunities here, but I do want to let you know of one incredible one, and it is our K-Kids team. Right now, our K-Kids team is on the other side of the building, and they are loving on some kids, and it is truly such an incredible place. They have a blast back there, and they get to just love on kids and tell them about Jesus. And as we've been opening up more programs and adding things back in, we are needing more people. And so if you have a heart for that, or if you're, you know what, I could give an hour or a couple hours on a Sunday, we would love for you to come be a part of the team. It's a, truly, it's a blast. It's probably one of the funnest opportunities that we have around here. You're going to get to love on some kids and you get to invest in the next generation. It truly is an incredible experience. So you can stop by the hub, you can find out more information, you can talk to them, ask any questions, and they can help get you connected to be part of our K-Kids team, and we would love for that to happen. Now, our team just sang this song called High Horse, and there's definitely moments in our life where we have probably run into people, or we ourselves, whether we want to admit it or not, have probably kind of had that kind of attitude that I'm better than, there's things that I'm not going to do because it's less than, I'm too good for that, and we kind of walk through life feeling like we are on a high horse. And through this series, we have been taking a look at these moments in the last week of Jesus' life before the cross and his humanity in these moments. And today the story we're going to look at, he's going to show us maybe that life isn't so much about living the high horse kind of life. That really we should reverse that. And what does that look like for us? We began this series by taking a look at Jesus having a meal with some friends. And he was anointed with perfume. Last week we saw his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And today we're going to journey with him and his disciples in a very intimate moment in an upper room. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come 
for him to leave this world and go to be with the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Well, good morning. That's the story we're going to jump into today. As uh, Sean has said, we, we're traveling with Jesus in the last week of his life on earth as he's making his way to the cross. And we've jumped a bunch of days since last Sunday because last Sunday we were on the Sunday before Easter Sunday when he came into Jerusalem. And now it's the day before he's going to be um, put on the cross. So this is a very important moment. And the portion that you just heard from John chapter 13 that Sonia read is about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And in the passage, as we unpack it, we're going to see that he says we should do the same thing. So I want to ask you a question as we start today. Do you think Jesus really wants us, did he intend by that, to, to wash each other's feet? Because we don't do that, do we? I mean, if you do, you're, you're kind of an unusual person if you wash people's feet, right? Because we don't really need that. In Jesus' day, they would walk the dusty roads, and when they would come in to have a meal together... They would recline at a table, and someone's feet might be close to your face, and it smelled bad, so it was customary that they would wash feet. So Jesus washes his disciples' feet in this intimate dinner setting um, the day before he's going to be put to death, and it's going to be a very important lesson, but I want to ask the question, should we be washing each other's feet today? Because he said, you should do, I've given you an example, you should do it. So I think that actually, even though I've done one foot washing ceremony in a church one time, it was very meaningful, I don't think that's, that was really the point. He picked something in their culture that, where they would humble themselves and serve as an example. I think if we try to make it literal today, like we literally are going to wash each other's feet, I think it could create some awkward moments. Maybe something like this. <sighs> Why? Why today? <sighs> Come on! Come on! Need some help, partner? Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea what's going on with this. It made a clinking noise and then the dashboard lit up and now I'm stuck here. Well, I'm not an engine expert, but I think I can help. Let me just go get my stuff. What are you, what are you doing? I'm just gonna wash your feet. 
Why, why would you wash my feet? I know it's not fashion, but I just get love to serve. Get out Fine. of here. Get out of here. Fine. Why are you Good doing luck this? with your car. It's like two degrees out. Why would you wash my feet? God loves you. What? Are you serious right now? What is wrong with people? Obviously, we're just having a little fun with that, right? That's our very own Stephen Tomzak, uh, who works with our breakaway group that, that was the angry uh, motorist. But um, I think, it, you know, adventures in missing the point, if we think that Jesus literally meant, now go wash each other's feet. So what did he actually mean? And we're going to unpack that in our, our next few moments together. Um, I don't know if you've ever had uh, an experience in your life where you're saying goodbye to somebody that you're not going to see for a long time. And, and you feel the weight of that moment. Like it might be maybe, uh, you know, you've raised your son or daughter. They lived in your home for 18 years. And now they're going off to college for the first time. And there's going to be some separation. You won't see them every day. And as that moment is getting closer and closer, you begin to feel the weight of that. And you real, realize there might be some last things. or maybe some things you've never said enough or you, you never said clearly. And so you feel that. Well, I think this is one such moment for Jesus. Because he had been with these 12 men that he's now sharing this Last Supper with, for three years, 24-7. Think about all the life that he experienced together. And Jesus now knowing that this is his last time to sit around a meal, a dinner table with them, and he's going to hand the baton for the work that he came to start to them. So we're trying to enter into Jesus' humanity in this series we're calling Personified. So I want us to try to think about what would that feel like for him? The weight of that moment, um, it's all going to depend on them getting it right and getting the message right and carrying forth what he initiated. Not just then, but all these years later, which is why in these stories, as much as you can, use your imagination. Put yourself in that upper room. So when you picture it, there's Jesus, there's the 12 disciples, and there's you. Julie, George, Karen, Craig, we're there. This message was not just for them. This message was for us because they got the baton from Jesus and did the work of the kingdom, who got it passed on generation to generation, and now it's our turn. So we need to be in this upper room. We need to understand what Jesus is trying to accomplish in this. Because I believe this was one such moment for him. It's kind of the final message. And if you only get one last word, aren't you going to focus on maybe what's the most important thing? And so I think that's what we see in this account in John 13, this last moment with them and the weight of what he was feeling about the mission and these guys are going to carry it forward or they're not going to carry it forward. In fact, this is how John begins the account. In uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew. They didn't. He knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so here's this moment now. And John, as he continues uh, to tell us what's going on, remember John is writing this years later, so he is looking back. He now knows as he's writing this, the crucifixion, the resurrection, he's got a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And so he tells us, he tells us what Jesus might have actually or was actually thinking in this moment. And we find this uh, just two verses later in John 13. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So before he teaches them one last time, and he does it through an object lesson and through his words, he was very mindful of his own position, of his own status. We might even say he was mindful of his resume. He knew who he was. 
that he was going back to where he had come from. So Jesus is mindful of his glory, his deity. He was mindful that he was returning to that glory and deity, even though he's sitting here among human beings, a simple man around a dinner table. He was mindful of all of that. And it makes more important what he actually does to us. Because John would write later these words, and this is how he begins his gospel. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And the word was who? The word was God. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and then check this out. John writing this now, looking back. Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So this one in the room with these men, John realizes and shares with us that he was a creator. This is more than just a teacher, a rabbi, one who could do miracles, one who could do amazing things. This was God himself there. And it's important to keep that in mind as we look at what this person now, what Jesus actually does. In fact, just to try to drive home the point, I want to I give you a little science lesson. Is that okay? I know you're in church. I'm not much of a scientist. So, okay, I want to talk about one second. You know how quickly one second goes by? Just like that, right? In fact, when I played football with, in the neighborhood and we would have to, before we could rush the quarterback, we would have to count three seconds. And we would do it 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And then we could rush. So it goes by very quickly, 1,001. In fact, I want you all to say on the count of three, 1,001 out loud with me, okay? One, two, three, 1,001. That's one second. All right, you know how fast light uh, travels, the speed? Anybody know that? 186,000 miles per second. So give you some perspective on that. In the time that you said 1,001, I'm going to ask you to do it again. Something, if I'm traveling at the speed of light, something happens. Okay, ready? One, two, three. 1,001. Okay, I just went around the world seven and a half times. If I could travel at the speed of light. Now, have I lost all of you? Like, what's this got to do with John 13? Okay, so I want you to check this out. Remember, John said he, all things are made by him, right? And John also says he came from God. He's going back to God. This one sitting here who's going to now wash their feet. Uh, this is something he made. I want you to look up at the screen. This is called the Cosmic Butterfly Nebula. And if you could travel at that 186,000 miles per second, it would take you 2,100 years to get there. That's pretty far out there, isn't it? And isn't it beautiful? This is the Hubble telescope is bringing us images like this. All right, we, we only just took our first little step into the universe. Look at this next one. This is called the spiral galaxy. And if you could travel at the speed of sound, again, 186,000 miles per second, and I'm waiting, there we go, it would take you 45 million years to get there, traveling at the speed that you go around the earth in seven and a half, seven and a half times in one second, traveling at that same speed to get out to where that is, 45 million years. So I'm sharing this with you because I want you to be in awe, like I am in awe right now, looking at these again of Jesus. This is the one who became a man, fully God, fully man, and he's the one that's sitting at dinner with these guys, and he wants to give them one last lesson. And I think the reason why John tells us what he was thinking, that he had come from God and he would go from God, so that we would remember reading this, that this is God now who gets up and does this extraordinary thing. And what does he do? So let's continue the story in John 13. So Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord Peter, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, as this is unfolding, I think for all of us, it's difficult to fully understand and embrace the shock that they felt around the table. When Jesus got up, took his outer clothing, set it aside, wrapped the towel, and got down and went person by person and washed their dirty, smelly feet. In fact, Peter objects, and Peter never was at a loss for words as we read the gospel accounts, so he's telling them no, and then Jesus, Jesus silences Peter, and I want you to think about how long it might have taken Jesus to work his way around the table, one person at a time, washing, if I do my math right, 24 feet, one at a time. I think it was awkward. I think they were silent. I think they were looking at each other. I think they were confused, embarrassed by this, because this is not what anyone would do. They wouldn't do it. They were using a borrowed room. In a normal home, there was someone, a servant in the home, appointed to do this job. So when you came in, it was just hospitality and custom that you would get your feet washed before you sat down at the table. Well, they went to the table. There was no one there. I like to imagine the disciples all looking and saying, well, there's nobody to wash the feet. I guess we're just going to sit down. It would never occur to them. Well, maybe one of us should do it. Or maybe we should wash our own feet. But there was no servant there to serve them. And so they sat down unprepared for the meal. And Jesus, of course, knowing this, gets up and begins to go person by person to wash their feet. And it took some time. It took more than a minute or two, maybe 10 minutes for him to work his way around the table while this lesson hopefully is beginning to sink in for them. Why is Jesus doing this? Because Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he had come from God, was going to God. And so he didn't have like, he didn't wear a name tag that says creator of the universe. He just was there among them as a man. And so he's the one that gets up and and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And they're in shock, I believe they're in shock about this. And so here's the lesson. This is the one lesson. And then we're going to spend some time kind of contextualizing this in, in terms of our lives. But the one lesson here is this, that serving or humility is not related to position or power. That's the final lesson that Jesus wanted to give his followers who were going to start this whole thing that we call Christianity. They were the ones that were going to carry the message forward. The very final lesson, this weighty moment with them, he's saying, this is it. This is the thing you got to get right. That it's not about position or power. That to serve others, to serve in humility is not related to your title. Before I came back to Michigan, I had a, I had a big title in New York City. I was the CEO, chief executive officer of the oldest mission in the country, serving the homeless since 1876. I hadn't been there that long. But I was serving there and I had a big title and I had to wear a suit most days and, and all this, you know, and people would, you know, think that, wow, he's the CEO. And I, I actually never thought that way. I don't know how I, I think I stumbled into the job. But a year ago at Thanksgiving, um, not this last one, but the year before, uh, it's a big event for us. And we serve thousands and thousands throughout the whole day of uh, homeless men and women. And it's a big event and the press come out. And so I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing a suit and I get there early to make sure everything's in place. And one of my other officers, the chief uh, staff, he's the chief operations officer, was with me in a suit. And we noticed that the lobby, the entrance where everybody's going to come in, the, uh, the carpet was really dirty, just messy, and nobody had cleaned it up. So I knew where the vacuum cleaner was, and so I went and got a vacuum cleaner, and he grabbed one as well, and we plugged it in, and we're really quickly getting, the, getting it done. No big deal, right? No big deal. Of course we would do that. No big deal. 
The next day, one of my staff members got out her phone and said, did you see this? And another staff member on Instagram, somehow she snuck a picture of us. I never saw her with the camera, with her phone. And she posted on Instagram, and, which I wish she hadn't done, but the caption was, I was literally in tears watching our leaders vacuum the carpet. And you know what makes me want to cry when I hear that story? Is that she would feel that way. Like this would be such an anomaly, such an odd thing, such an unusual. Wait, I read my job description. It doesn't say anything about vacuuming carpets. By the way, I'm really good at it. If you want to come up after and give me your number and address, I'll come over and vacuum your carpet for you. But the reality is that, that to me that was very telling. And it made me more determined to double down and say, I'm just like everybody else. We're all doing our jobs here. Nobody is on their high horse. Nobody should be on their high horse. Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, if you're going to carry forward my mission and build my church, you need to get off your high horse. It's not in the count, but I think they must have been embarrassed that we never thought to do this. Why wouldn't they think to do it? And they were humbled when their leader got down on his knees and went person to person and washed their feet. Men and women, this is so, I believe, so critical And it's something that is so easily missed, that this should be the heart of what we're about. That it's not about title. In fact, what he did in this with his disciples was he added to his resume. Oh, I'm the son of God. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm also a foot washer. And so you probably can't create a universe, and you can't be a son of God. (laughs) You can be a child of God, but you can wash feet. Maybe not literally, but figuratively. Find that place to serve. And so... The question that he asks him here is he says, do you understand? I've set an example for you. In fact, the passage in, uh, back in John 13 says, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place and said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I had set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so this is the job description, follower of Jesus. The job description is to follow Jesus' example. To do as he has done for us to roll up our sleeves and serve in humility. The question, do you understand? I don't know if we understand or not. We're going to see in a moment they didn't understand. I think they all nodded their heads because they were embarrassed. Yeah, we get it. We get it now. The challenge to do the same to serve others, to humble ourselves and serve others Because this is the essence of following Jesus. This story, this picture, this scene unfolding here is the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. So now comes the final exam. That was just a pop quiz, but now he's going to really double down with them. And here's why he doubles down. We're going to shift over to Luke now because when you put Luke and John together, you get the full picture of everything that unfolded. And so here's what happens in Luke as he describes it. Jesus now continues to talk to them and he says, the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Now, that would have been very, very shocking news, right? And so they begin to question among themselves which of them it might be that would do this thing. So again, try to, try to use your imagination and get inside this room and think about these 12 plus Jesus that had spent all this time together, day in and day out for three years. And now Jesus reveals the shocking news that one of them, one of them, there's only 12, one of them is going to betray him. You can imagine that they would be concerned about that, wondering who it is. In fact, I think 
that what they did probably is they began to whisper to each other, I bet you it's Andrew, I bet you it's Judas, I bet you it's Bartholomew, certainly it's not me. They began to discuss it because that's what we would do if we're in that situation. Who could it possibly be? Where is the evidence that it's one of them? And so then he goes a step further. John does in describing what happened. And John had to be embarrassed writing this years later because he's really telling on himself. Consider this. This to me is absolutely hilarious and sad at the same time. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Can you, can you fathom how this could happen? All right, let's get, this, let's get the sequence again. Jesus humbles himself and gets down and he washes their feet. Gets right down into the dirt like the servant, the hired servant who wasn't there would have done. He does it. And then he says, now I being your Lord and master could do this. You should do the same thing. Do you understand what I've done? And I think they all nodded yes. Yeah, okay, we get it now. We're supposed to serve, right? And then he, he shares shocking news which should have made them sad, which I'm sure it did. One of you is going to betray me, but as they try to figure out who the betrayer is, they start puffing their chest out and getting on their high horse. They're arguing among themselves now of which is the greatest. Not only am I not the betrayer, but I think I'm number one in Jesus' mind. Remember, I went up to the Mount Transfiguration with him. I noticed you weren't there. Can you actually imagine this discussion going on? And then I close my eyes and I try to picture what is Jesus doing? <laughs> Having just taught this lesson, just giving them the example. What is he doing? What is he thinking? And again, we're recognizing that Jesus was a human being. He had to be frustrated. In fact, you know what came to my mind? Some of you are too young to know the movie uh, Back to the Future. But I see Jesus hitting his head saying, McFly. You know that line, McFly, really? Like, you don't get this? This is, so, this is so simple. I just did it, and now I'm having to break up a fight where you're all puffing out your chest and saying, you're, you're better. You're number one. You're greater than each other. This is very, very humbling because it shows us how difficult this is and how deeply rooted in us this message of self-importance and being puffed up and wearing the badge and having the title and being more important than anyone else. And so he didn't, when he said, you understand, clearly they didn't. So now he's got a second chance again to teach them. And so much of this upper room discourse with his disciples is about trying to get this message right. And so we got to take this seriously. We have to embrace this. And here's what he says to them. Luke continues. Jesus said to them, the king of Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? So in this question, he's saying, yeah, normally there'd be a foot washer here, and the one at the table is greater than the foot washer, right? So that's normal. He turns it all upside down now when he says, is it not the one who's at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? You know, if there's, if there's one mantra, one maybe job description for Jesus, how he lived his life these three years, it's that sentence right there. I am among you as one who serves. Wouldn't it be amazing and beautiful if we took that on ourselves? I'm never going to get a tattoo probably, but if I did, I, I probably should do that on my arm or I would see it because this is who I am to be. If the Lord of the universe, the creator of the universe could be among us as one who serves, then we should be among each other as one who serves. We should almost beat each other up trying to outserve each other. Like that should be the motivation of the heart because Jesus showed us this. He demonstrated this in his own life, I think, all three years. 
I mean, do, do you not imagine that when Jesus was um, spending these three years with the disciples and they were traveling from city to city and staying in other people's homes and maybe sometimes having to camp out, I don't picture Jesus when they would arrive at their destination kicking back and saying, hey, someone bring me some water. What's for dinner? Could you guys fix something really good tonight? I see Jesus going right into the kitchen, right to the campfire. Like, I don't think this is the first time they saw this. I think this is how he lived. And we know that because Jesus was always being interrupted by people who had needs and he would respond to them. This is the way of life for a follower of Jesus. This should define what the church looks like. We are to be a group of men and women and children who are learning what it is to serve, to humble ourselves and not hide behind a title or a role or a job description, but to say this is our job to serve others. And so he says to them, when he kind of wraps it all up and back to John 13 now, he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then he kind of moves on, as we'll see next week, to some other things that we'll look at over the next few weeks as we finish this series. But he's now given them his final lesson, his object lesson, his words. He's saying, will you not follow in my footsteps and humble yourselves and serve? This is the work of the kingdom. This is the mantle he's handed to you. You're in that upper room with him. He sees you there. He's given you this challenge. He's asking you to grab the basin and the towel, whatever that represents in your life and in my life, and for us to serve him. You know, one of the things that I, I love about Kensington Church is that this is a value. Sometimes in this message, I'm looking out at the faces and thinking I'm probably treat, uh, preaching to the choir. I've just noticed since October when I've come back how much this church serves and serves each other. And in fact, a few weeks ago, I met uh, someone that she's been on staff at Kensington for a while, but she has another role here as a volunteer, and she's really a leader. Her name is Terry, and she was um, telling me about her journey to serve. And I decided as I was preparing this message that you guys need to hear from Terry a little bit. So, Terry, would you join me up on the stage? And I'd like to hear your story as a follower of Jesus who has learned and is learning to serve. So, um, I hope you'll be inspired by this. By the way, Terry's got a pretty big role now as a volunteer leader. Um, but I don't want you to think that this is what it, how it repre- is represented. I think between now and the time we go to sleep tonight, that, that there will be 30 opportunities to follow what Jesus taught his disciples and taught us from John 13. But Terry, um, uh, so Terry is, uh, works in the finance department at Kensington, and she gets paid for that. But she does something else for us, especially here at Clinton Township, that she doesn't get paid for. And um, I noticed a few weeks ago when we were getting ready to serve the homeless men and women at the warming center at the hotel where they're staying this year, that Terry was out there working really hard to get people to sign up to bring food and to sign up to bring meals. And so I asked her a simple question, how did you first get involved in this? You know, I work with the homeless in New York City. I didn't know that there was anything going on in this community around the homeless, so I was very curious. So I'd like you to um, answer that question for everyone to hear. How did you first get involved in serving the poor of our community? Well... Really, it goes back to when I was a young girl. I always wanted to be a social worker, and um, God just designed me for a heart, uh, with a heart for the homeless and for the less privileged. And um, but somehow I ended up with a, a degree in accounting, <laughs> and which was kind of interesting. But um, so I still had this void in my heart to um, serve others, and I just started volunteering anywhere I could. And eventually, I got connected with a small church in Mount Clemens. And every week they would serve, uh, they had a soup kitchen, so I participated in that. And then once a year they would host the homeless through the warming center. And I was able to uh, connect on that, and I just fell in love with that whole experience. 
And, um, you know, at that time, we did not have a building here in Clinton Township. So once we knew that we were going to be breaking ground and we had a firm date, um, I went to Sonia, our campus director, and said, we are going to be a major force here. A big, we're a mega church in Macomb County, and we have to be on the rotation. It would only make sense that we would host the homeless in our community because Mount Clemens is just, what, we're five minutes from there, and you'd be surprised at the, the homeless community that, mm. that's so close to us. And um, so immediately, Sonia was on board, but she just had one caveat. She's like, yep, we'll do this, but you have to lead it. And mm -hmm. I said, of, of course, this is, be, this is a dream come true for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you've been doing this more than 10 years now. Yeah. The last two years, we've been able to use our building to serve um, our neighbors who are really in need. So what, is, what has this meant to you? Like, how has this impacted you personally in your um, own journey? In just uh, so many ways, really. Um, just the people that you meet, volunteering with other folks. Um, one of my very good friends, Sue, uh, we really connected through this journey. And so she walked along with me on all of this. Um, what's been really incredible is just seeing God work through it, how it's increased my faith. Um, when we house the people here, we have at least nine, about 90 guests every night. Mm. And if anybody's ever been out in the lobby, they can see that it takes a lot of volunteers, well over 100. And um, so there's a lot of like stress and angst. And um, I'll have days where somebody will call at the last minute, they can't come in um, to volunteer. But someone else comes in, they bring their sister, their friend their, to, to offer, mm -hmm. how can I help? Or we'll have other times where we're short on bread or milk or whatever, and someone's supposed to be bringing it in, but they bring in double. And they don't know why. They just felt like they should pick up extra. And so these things happen all week long. And I will find myself often just like just looking up and almost giggling, like, God, you're so awesome. Like, you are in there on all these like tiny details, making sure that this week goes smoothly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I think the most thing is like, it just fills my heart to know that this community and this church can mm -hmm. offer these folks. We get the opportunity to love on them, be the hands and feet of Jesus, and just provide them a safe and warm place. Mm -hmm. And they can call this home for a week. And um, it really is like the best week of the year for me. I yeah, love that's it. That's cool. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus actually said to his disciples after he washed their feet and he was teaching them, he said, you'll be blessed if you do this. You know, I think intuitively we wouldn't necessarily think about that, but it's true. When you give yourself to serve, the mm -hmm. blessing comes back to you. So yeah. um, one of the things that you shared with me um, when we were talking in the lobby a few weeks ago that, that really stuck in my mind was um, during COVID, we can't house them here, so they're in a hotel. Yeah. But you were telling me about a year, a year before when, when the first night fell on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Something, we did something beyond the call of duty there. Yeah, it was really, really fun because... Um, like Craig said, our first um, the, our week kicks off on Super Bowl Sunday, so we want to do something special for them that would make them feel like like we normal, you know, to experience it. So um, Bill Watts, one of our um, our facilities leaders here, he got his men's group together, and we put together a really cool menu of Super Bowl junk food. We had White Castle sliders and um, <laughs> subs and wings and nachos and. Then we decorated the room in the colors to, of the opposing teams um, just to create that fun atm party atmosphere. And then in the great room here at the end of the lobby, we put the, tea, the uh, game on on both side screens. Mm. Um, and it was just so wonderful to just watch them engaging with each other and cheering their team on and even like betting amongst each other. And, um, mm. and then during the week, like every night you have a different group of people that will show up because 
not every night do they need a place to stay. Mm. And um, so the, if they would come in and you'd hear them chattering amongst each other, oh, you should have been here on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, and um, it was just an opportunity for us to just show some love to them and let them know they're seen. And, um, and I think that the, it just went over really, really well. Yeah. It was a blast. I, what I love about that is knowing that um, for whatever reason at this season of life, things are broken and they don't, they're just not engaged in like, norm, like they normally would have. And to feel like for one night they experienced what the community was experiencing, they're eating really delicious junk food. Yeah, right. And they're, uh, you know, and they're watching the game and they're cheering and they're feeling some normalcy. And they knew that, you know, we don't have to do that. We can just give them a bed and right. some food and say good night. But um, in fact, you even told me that they were supposed to turn the lights off at 10 o'clock. That was the rules with the security company. Yeah. And you went to them and begged. Right. <laughs> I'm you, like, can't they stay up for the whole Super can they Bowl, watch, please? And, they, and yeah. they watch the game. So I just love your heart. So yeah. last, last question, um, Terry. So someone is feeling some nudge, maybe for a while, maybe for the first time today, mm -hmm. about taking some step, a small step of serving. What, how would you encourage them today? Well, I, I know I've been that person sitting in the seats and wondering um, or just knowing that God's talking to me. I can, you can hear that whisper or that pull on your heart, and you know that it's God nudging you. And um, I would just encourage you to just go for it because um, he will always be there for you. He'll provide you with what you need, and you will really be blessed beyond measure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it will, it will change your life. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And I think that's why Jesus had that message for his disciples because this is how we change the world. Yeah. through humbling ourselves and just serving each other. So yep. thank you, Terry, for sharing a thank little bit you. of your story. Yep. You know, as I said, I think this is, um, this is part of the DNA of, of Christ Church, universal, but I think it's part of the DNA of Kensington. And I, I wish I knew more of you and more of your stories, and I wish, you know, if it was a little bit lighter, I could see more of you. But I'm looking over at Sue, who serves in the green room, every Sunday helping provide refreshments. Uh, during COVID, it's a little different for the musicians and, and for the teachers and, and just the, the people that usher and the people, I mean, just all the ways that you, you serve. And, you know, there are, there are people who have the titles and the resumes and yet you would never know it because that's, they're followers of Jesus and they're giving, they're giving their lives away. So, so how do we go, where do we go from here? How do we do this? How do we actually do this? And for me, um, over the years, I feel like continuing to go back to this example um, to Jesus' example of his life and to understand who he was and what he did. In fact, I want to throw two pictures up on the screen again just to put this together. So this is, of course, the first one you're going to see is our own planet and the beauty of, of that and what God has created. And Jesus, as John said, was, he was before all things and he created. The, the hands that made this, just hold that picture in mind, the hands that made this did this. The same hands. So when I look at that, if I can really embrace that, if I can put myself in the upper room with the other 12 and feel Jesus' hands on my feet, washing them, humbling himself, I would be like, Peter, no, what are you doing? This is not your role. And he says, no, Craig, you know, this is, I've given you this example. I want you to do as I have done. That's where the motivation has to come from. As, as a follower of Jesus, we say we want to walk in these steps with you. We want to be known as those who serve because that's what will change the world. This is the way of the kingdom. And so I'm just going to leave you with a, few, with a question and an invitation and a challenge rel relative to this story that we've looked at today. 
And these come from Jesus, not from me. My voice isn't going to have any impact on you. But if in, your, in the quietness of your heart, you can, you can see Jesus looking you in the eyes and asking you this question. The first is, the one we see in John, do you understand what I've done? And of course, it's not just the washing of the feet. They would see him go to the cross. They would scatter in fear. Then they would see him walk out of the tomb and know that that was for them. So the question for us that we consider is, do we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us? Because our life needs to be a response to that. This is not about duty or obligation or a commandment. It's like inviting us into this amazing relationship. Do you understand what I've done? The second is an invitation. He says, now that you know these things, again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and to us. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I believe as we, as we heard from Terry, the blessed life comes to us when we serve, but then it blesses others as we live lives as humble servants. This is the way of Jesus. We will be blessed and we will bless others. And then I want to be honest about the challenge. Because the challenge is, if the disciples didn't easily get it, and that's where when I, I go to the story, I watch, them, I watch them go to fighting with each other about who is the greatest. And I realize this is a stubborn place in my heart. I think in the human heart. That, you know, on a, on a good day, I might vacuum something, but on many days, I want people to meet my needs. I won't usually do it in such an obvious way, but it's how I orient myself around many things. You know, I think, I think that my wife and I married 35 years. We've never agreed on a temperature in the house. And she's wrong. Okay? I'm right. Now, I never say that, but I find myself operating that way. And I could think of a hundred things like that easily. So I look at this story realistically and honestly, and I see the disciples just flubbing it. And I think that's me. So this is going to be stubborn. This is not going to dislodge easily in our hearts. If the disciples didn't get it easily, then we won't either. Only through daily abiding with Jesus, submitting to him, following his footsteps, is this change possible. I think I, I, think I need to be intentional about it. I think I need to get up every day, which maybe the tattoo would not be a bad idea. I want to be among you as one who serves. That's what I want. I think that I know that's what Jesus wants from me. And I know his example and his power can make that happen. You know, and even as we, as we close out the service with this, um, this, this final song, it's a beautiful song, um, it invites us into the wonder of Jesus, which is where this has to happen. A message like this isn't going to change your life. Jesus can change your life if you would submit to that. And so let me just pray. Um, Jesus, we know you're here with us right now. And it's your voice we need to hear. It's your nudging that we need to experience. It's your, the, the desire that you put in us needs to come alive and only you can do that. And so that's what I pray for. I pray as we hear the words of this song, as we listen to the beauty of the music, as we join in in our own hearts that, that your love would continue to win us over and that we would build our lives on the firm foundation of your life and your example and of your love. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no
You know, we've, uh, we've gone on quite a journey in one hour. We rode in on our high horse, and we've landed now on the firm foundation of Jesus. A prayer, really, to say, can, Jesus, I want to live this life of love. I want to get off my high horse every day. And, you know, uh, this has been a challenging 12 months with us. We're coming up kind of on a one-year anniversary of when things began to unravel. But there is a firm foundation that we've just been singing about the firm foundation of a life built on Jesus that nothing can shake and that's the life that we're pursuing together so glad you're here today Uh, we're just going to take a moment uh, now to receive our offering and if you're our guest uh, please be our guest today this moment is not for you we're glad that you're checking us out and you're pressing into God in some way so we just welcome you here but um, this is your church your faith community where we are learning together to serve we're so grateful for your support and your partnership with us and on your way out if you're here in the building we have buckets in the back you can drop an offering there or you can see on the screens here or on your screen at home ways to give through our website or through our app or you can mail a check-in so again we're just grateful for the blessing that you are to us and that we are to our community because of your faithfulness so uh, last assignment on your way out if you are here for the first time please come by the hub and just say hi we'd love to meet you and um, if you're thinking about serving, it doesn't have to be K-Kids. That's what we highlighted today. But we need um, an army of, of volunteers to really do the work of God here. So stop by the hub and talk about opportunities to plug in and to serve God here, okay? But the real assignment, I'm embracing it myself, is I, I'm going to try to find 30 ways to serve a day. Seriously. There are so many ways, small things, unnoticed things. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's just, it's a stature. It's a posture. It's an intentionality that says, can I follow in the footsteps of Jesus? With his help and with his power, can I serve, be a serving, a servant and a blessing to those around me? So let's go be a blessing this week, okay? God bless you. We'll see you back here next Sunday. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.